Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. The Mr. Beacon Podcast is sponsored by Williot, scaling IoT with battery-free Bluetooth. Well, welcome back to the Mr. Beacon podcast. This week, we're interviewing Bob Friday, who is the co-founder and CTO of Mist. Uh, Bob, welcome back to the show. Uh, thanks to be here, Steve, as always. Yeah. Uh, so I think last time you were with us was uh, a, a year and a half ago. So if anyone wants kind of the, the baseline of what you're doing at Mist, then they can go back to that. And of course, before Mist, you were at Cisco, you were a uh, CTO of Enterprise Mobility, which is, you know, basically the wife. What is Enterprise Mobility at Cisco? Yeah, so back, back when I left Cisco, Enterprise Mobility was kind of the wireless switch routing group. All was all put together in one group. And uh, we were basically in the, 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 the tra transition of converging wireless was becoming mainstay and actually converging with all the switch router functions. Okay. Then you went off and you set up MIST and, and MIST is, uh, uh, certainly was working with uh, Cisco last time we spoke. So Here's the things that I, I think it'd be great to talk with you about in just a few minutes. So one is, let's get an update on how things are going at MIST and uh, baseline what you guys are doing. Um, you, you now have customers that are going into production. So I think it'd be really cool. Uh, you've got a couple that I, I, I would love to talk about if you can talk about them. Uh, you've done some work for Disney, the Swan and Dolphin Resort out, out in, uh, um, in Florida, and also the Orlando VA. So... It's always good to talk about real deployments, lessons learned, what you've done. Uh, so let's talk about that. And uh, kind of the third topic I'd love to cover is your view of where the Bluetooth ecosystem is. There's been a lot of controversy and naysaying and uh, optimism as well. So let's get your view on that. But first of all, for those people that didn't watch the original episode, can you explain to us uh, what does MIST do? Yeah, so MIST is really on like, Two missions right now you know the first mission is really around what i call jeopardy wireless uh wireless jeopardy right and this is really around trying to build uh a solution that can answer questions on par with a wireless network expert and for those who remember kind of watson and jeopardy right when they were they built a solution that could actually play jeopardy 
that was kind of one of the inspirations for Miss. If they can build software that can play Jeopardy, we should be able to build software that can play wireless Jeopardy, right? Mm-hmm. And so that's one mission that Mist is on. Um, the other mission that we've been on is kind of this bringing indoor location on par with uh, GPS. Um, and this is a mission that dates back to my aerospace Cisco days of always trying to get the industry, you know, can we agree on something that, you know, when we open up our phones, it works just like GPS. Uh, and that's what got us into the BLE. Um, you know, because when I looked at indoor location, uh, there was always friction points for why people were having a hard time adopting it, right? Whether it was the overlay network, right? You know, the uh, indoor location kind of always required that. Mm-hmm. So I think we're solving that problem with the convergence at MIST, right? We are converging Wi-Fi and BLE together. Um, Wi-Fi is no longer a nice to have, it's a must have. So we don't argue, people don't argue about deploying Wi-Fi anymore. Yeah, that seems to be like now standard operating procedure is for the, the big guys at least, you buy a Wi-Fi router, you get Bluetooth radio in there. And typically it's kind of fairly basic radio. What, what do you guys do that's different from just simply having a, a Bluetooth radio with a Wi-Fi access point? Yeah, so I think, you know, when it comes to BLE, I would say MIST is kind of best of breed. I mean, we've done two major things. One is we've kind of virtualized this whole BLE beacon. Uh, and that's what kind of what we were known for. That was one of our first patents of really taking the whole battery beacon problem and make it easier to use. Uh, probably the second big thing we've done is really around leveraging machine learning to actually learning the path loss model, right, to get better accuracy, right? And this is really something... I've always wanted to do since my aerospace days. I've never had the opportunity to do it. Uh, but now with all the compute and storage power we get at AWS, there's really no limit beyond you know, beyond my Amazon bill of what we can do now. So that problem we've actually solved now where we can actually learn this path loss model for every AP and every device. Uh, so that's probably the other big thing we brought into the table. So, the, so what does path loss model mean? Is that the kind of the decay of the signal over space so you kind of get a better correlation between the signal strength and the position is it yep i mean did you remember do you remember the the equation for a line from uh, your height i i i i've got it in the book somewhere but uh, you, you'll that's do the, a better job of explaining it than me that's your classic y equals mx plus b right yeah and, you know what you're trying to learn is how fast that rssi is dropping with distance Yes, and it's you know, so it's not this, a straight line. That's the key thing that we talk about in the in the in the Beacon Technology book. And so, uh, so it's not a question of just understanding a standard curve. It varies from place to place. Is that the is that why you need AI in there? Yeah, because you know, for anyone who's worked on you know RSSI based location, you know that curve changes. You know, depending on where you are, and it changes for every device, right? There's a big there's a difference between an Android and an iPhone especially on the intercept, right? How well they actually hear the BLE signals. Okay. Uh, so that varies across all your devices. So, so you've got machine learning there, but it sounds like, is there machine learning elsewhere in your offering? You were talking about kind of the Jeopardy Watson model. Is it just purely on the location piece or is it more than that? Yeah, you know, if you look at on the Wi-Fi side, the, the reason that Wi-Fi and BLE go better together is Wi-Fi has kind of become this industry standard for connectivity, right? Um, and you look at BLE, BLE is starting to become the industry standard for your location use cases. Mm-hmm. And we look at uh, our customers who are actually putting these use cases on top of their wireless network. These are critical services now that kind of require better visibility on the end-end user experience, right? 
you know, so it's one thing why I tell people, it's one thing back in the old days when we had uh, unhappy employees on your Wi-Fi network. It's a whole different thing. We have an unhappy customer. Uh, and so that's where the wireless for Jeopardy, Marvis AI piece comes in, is really helping customers get complete end-to-end -end visibility on a customer's connectivity experience, right? You know, because if you're going to put a, a location-based app on someone's phone, um, it's not going to be a very good experience if they don't have good connectivity. I mean, you have to have good connectivity and good location to get that whole experience to work right. And how can AI help improve the connectivity? I can see why it could help understand this path loss, uh, but, but it actually helps make sure the pipe is flowing better? Yeah, it basically, you know, I would say the paradigm shift is, you know, back in my airspace days, you know, 15 years ago, that was all about really helping enterprise IT manage a whole bunch of access points. Uh, where AI is helping is really starting to provide that end-to-end -end visibility from the actual user device all the way to the internet. Okay. Right. So it's no longer good enough when someone says, hey, why is your experience bad? Um, usually IT is struggling with trying to figure out, is it on the client? Is it on the AP? Is it on the network? Or is it in the Internet somewhere? Right. Uh, so AI is starting to bring all that information together. You know, and it's something that, you know, a regular person does manually. Right. But it usually will take an IT guy maybe hours, if not days, depending on how complicated the problem is. And that is where really we're leveraging the same way they did for you know Watson for Jeopardy. We're really going through terabytes of data very quickly, and that's what computers are good for, right? They're going through terabytes of data, looking for correlations and similarities, and that's where AI is starting to make a difference in the networking world. So you're you're parsing through, you're sifting through huge amounts of data that gives you a sense of where the performance problems are, and and how do you resolve those issues that you spot? Yeah, so it depends on what type of problem you actually see. Uh, if it's an RF problem, we can actually adjust those ourselves, right? If it's some sort of channel power uh, interference problem. Uh, if it turns out it's a DNS or DHCP problem, uh, in some cases we can correct if we have access to the servers. Um, and we're actually working with some of our partners, right, in what we call AI for IT. You know, so if we identify a problem in a firewall or a router or a switch, you know, can we actually start sending messages back to the router switch to get things corrected? Um, a typical use case would be something like a config, right? Someone changes the config in a switch, and really the action you want to take is you want to roll back, right? You identify that the, the upgrade has gone bad, and you basically want to roll back to the previous one. Okay, that makes sense. So uh, I mentioned we, we spoke a year and a half ago. What have you guys been doing for the last 18 months? Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. 
Yeah, I think, you know, if you know, what I would say, if I look at my BLE effort, um, and I've always called this kind of moving from a nice to have to a must have, uh, we've been getting increasingly more and more use cases, you know, from our customers, right? And so I think last year we talked about the Orlando, what we're seeing in hospitality. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're working with companies like Turnout Now. These are the guys who put the little tag. If you ever go to the conference and you see the little BLE tag on the back of your thing. Yeah. Um, that's almost become common now. It's hard to go to a conference now where they don't put a BLE tag on the back of your, your tag to actually track you through uh, through the conference and the event. Uh, so we're working closely with that. That's starting to merge out there. Um, the wayfinding use cases are starting to merge. We're, you know, we're starting to see more and more people build mobile apps that uh, want to have a more immersive wayfinding experience. We just won a large uh, airline customer last year. Um, you know, so they're starting to look at use cases such as, you know, hey, if you're in the VIP lounge and you want to get the, uh, you know, you're late for your plane, and you want to basically do the Uber help, you want to get the car to get you from the lounge back to the thing. So we're starting to see that mm-hmm. become more real- reality. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think one of the general themes we're seeing across all the verticals right now is kind of this concept of Uber help, right? Whether it's in retail, healthcare, mm-hmm. uh, the concept of, hey, someone needs help, and this is particularly what we're doing down in the VAs for vets right now is, you know, if a vet is in a wheelchair or on crushes and need help, you know, how do we make it easier for them to get help when they emerge, you know, when they get to the hospital? Yeah, because hospitals are starting to be judged based on their performance and the user experience at the hospital. And uh, I think we've all been to places where they need help to help us better. Um, so that's great. So if, uh, you basically can ask for assistance, and because you have a, you, you have better antenna technology, you're using this AI, you can spot where the person is in uh, situations where there's more ambiguity. What are you guys doing with uh, the Disney uh, at the Disney Resort there, the the Swan and Dolphin? Yeah, so the Swan and Dolphin is where we're doing the event planner. You know, so oh. that's exactly what I mentioned turnout now, right? That is where. We're, you know, they're looking to try to monetize location-based services. So that's where we're leveraging our virtual beacon technology mm-hmm. uh, and the machine learning, right? To help better locate both the asset, right? That tag, that uh, beacon on the back of your tag. Uh, and that's where we're starting to leverage the phone, uh, you know, getting people from A to B in a large, a large conference room. I would say in the VA, the healthcare in general, uh, for people who are familiar with healthcare, healthcare is always an early adopter of these type of technologies. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a big trend in healthcare right now where they're looking to BLE as kind of a standards-based horizontal technology, similar similar to Wi-Fi, to really complement all their existing proprietary IR ultrasound technologies, uh, and that's what's really opening up a whole another set of use cases in the healthcare space. And I think the bigger thing is, you know, BLE and location is kind of classically really resonates with the B 2 C. You know, anybody who has a business that's trying to service a customer. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think probably the more important thing for me is I'm starting to see is even the carpeted enterprise uh, customers are starting to show an interest in BLE, right? These are like your mainstay um, financial customers, corporate enterprise, corporate uh, campuses, mm-hmm. where they're starting to look at BLE as kind of their facilities management, right? You know, as they move to open space, uh, they want better visibility on how their employees are actually using the space, right? Mm-hmm. You know, because once you go to open space, people naturally select where they want to be. And so you start to see strange behavior where certain parts of the building 
don't get used for some reason uh-huh. and they're sort that out. Well, so um, you have this uh, uh, sophisticated antenna structure for BLE. Um, you're applying this extra analytical layer, uh, but it seems like there's kind of two ways BLE can be used with your product. One is you have tags that you're spotting that are attached to assets. And the other one is you're kind of generating, a, you're, you flip it on its head and there's a, an iBeacon event that has been sending, that is being sent to someone's phone. So the first one, there may not be a phone involved at all. The second one, there's an app on someone's phone that you're triggering something based on. And the virtual beacon concept, as I understand it, is you have a, a dashboard which may be of a huge open space. And rather than having to send some guys out with step ladders to move stuff around, you basically just click on the map and say, here's where I want the triggers to be. Is that a reasonable summary of what the two sides are? Or feel free to... Yeah, I mean, I, I think you, I mean, if you look at the use cases we're seeing, you know, there's the wayfinding use case of, uh, you know, someone has an app on their phone. There's the asset where we actually listen to beacons, try to locate assets and abilities. Uh, there's probably a third use case emerging around IoT, where BLE started to become kind of an IoT standard, right? You know, where a hospital like NYU may actually have uh, hand washing dispensers that are all BLE enabled, right? And they're starting to use BLE to keep track of, you know, when the battery, when the liquid needs to be replaced. Uh, so th- those are where you're starting to see BLE starting to become kind of your wayfinding, your asset visibility, and your IoT standard uh, in an enterprise business now. Yes. Well, I think there's, I'm hearing a lot of this asset tracking. I'm hearing a lot about this hand cleaning thing. It's very critical for medicals. But the thing that you guys are doing, which is very unusual, is this virtual beacon piece. Is that, uh, is that getting traction? Where, where, do you, where have you found people need a virtual beacon versus, versus asset tracking? Which is, if you can do that more accurately, that's, that's great. But I'm interested in the virtual beacon bit. So the virtual beacon, you know, that actually started in the retail space. That is where, you know, you know, you look at a retail store where they have to basically change up their marketing or their planet, uh, planet, you know, where they put the products. That's where we actually started the virtual beacon is they found that they had to move those beacons around every time they changed the store layout or the marketing program. That was the original use case for virtual beacons. Uh, some of the more interesting ones we're seeing now is even in the theme parks, right? Uh, especially around augmented reality, right? When you look at augmented reality, like in a grocery store, uh, where they have visions of someone walking down the aisle and using their phone to actually augment what's on the display shelf, there you need enough virtual beacon to kind of understand where the person is in that store. So that's another use case where people are using virtual beacons to kind of roughly locate where someone is in an aisle. Uh, Probably the more interesting third ones I've had lately has been even the theme parks, you know, visualize a room, with a missed infrastructure where you can change the, you know, find the Pokemon, right? You basically you have different game formats where you could basically put virtual beacons anywhere in a warehouse um, with kind of an augmented reality experience, right? And you have to basically work your way through a maze and you can basically change that maze up for different game formats. Fantastic. So those are examples where virtual beacons are actually starting to see traction now. Yeah, so you have a store reset, as they call it, where they move the shelves around. Last thing you want to do yep. is to get the uh, the guys that deal with technology involved uh, to on, on the ground. Uh, and so many examples where those spaces are dynamic. So, okay, I think we've covered a lot. We'll wrap it up in just a minute. Um, 
Um, I, I guess actually one of the things I should have done earlier is just disclose we do have a common investor, Norwest, uh, in Williot. Well, the first time I spoke to you, I didn't work for Williot, so uh, my interest in what you do has got nothing to do with the fact that we have a common investor. But I do get to hear things are going very well for you guys. Um, I think there's been... Uh, it's really interesting with the Beacon ecosystem. I, I kind of sense a little bit of negativity that things aren't going well um, and that business is not good and beacons were a fad. What, what's your view on that? Yeah, so I, I'm still a big believer in BLE. Um, you know, for me, you know, when you look at indoor location, BLE is a key component of kind of removing one of the friction points. Because um, if you look at indoor location, like I said, the friction points have really been around the overlay network that typically it's re and to some extent battery beacons are an overlay network and that's why there's friction and resistance to that you know so we're solving that problem with converging wi-fi and ble together um the other problem with indoor location has always been the survey it's always required a lot of surveying to actually get it up and running uh the machine learning piece of that is taking that piece of the friction out of the point and probably the third biggest friction we've had in the industry is really around you know, what is Google, Apple, what are our mobile devices really going to support? What indoor location technology are we going to see them adopt? Mm -hmm. um, for me, BLE has become that. Wi-Fi, you know, we looked at Wi-Fi originally, right? The industry and uh, Wi-Fi location never really got there, right? It never really got to the performance level. And some of that's because the mobile device operators really never embraced Wi-Fi as a location technology. Um, I think we're seeing that with BLE. I think Google, Apple are starting to embrace BLE as kind of that location technology. Um, especially, you know, I don't know if you kept track of the BLE 5.1 spec coming down the pipe, right? I have. Yeah. Very interesting. So what's in there that, uh, that you think is uh, of note? Now, I think, you know, of note is the AOA and the AOD, right? Angle of Basically. arrival, angle of departure. Right. Yeah. Arch Big fan. Right. Big fan, yeah. Right. And we're going to see better location technology. Now, I think we're... Uh, we're all waiting to see what Apple does. You know, is Apple going to embrace it? Yes. Uh, but, you know, that is just another, okay, guys, we are going to see a much better location technology get into our phones here, hopefully, with BLE 5.1. Uh, so I think that's another data point on, you know, are we going to see BLE go from a nice-to-have to, to must-have? Yeah, so the thought of having uh, angle of arrival um, uh, support on a phone is kind of interesting. So what, what, what would that look like? Uh, um, can you, I mean, what, why would you do that? Well, I think we would do it for better accuracy, right? I yeah. think, uh, you know, you know, d during my days of location, right, whether it's time angle, just the more information you have, the easier it is to make an estimate, right? And yeah. so, if, you know, if we have timing or phase information, all that's going to help on making the user experience better. Um, yes. Yeah, so, so, so this is a feature that could add some a new feature for a new version of the iPhone that would allow you to kind of use it as a sniffing finding device, couldn't you? Because at the moment you have a beacon on a, a shelf and yeah, you know that you're getting warmer or colder. But uh, if you had a phone that actually knew the angle that the beacon was, you could start navigating through, you could parse through the big cold medicine shelf and locate the specific item that you are looking for and solve that problem, which would be amazing. It would be yeah, also so, very good for people that sell uh, Bluetooth tags, which, uh, so I'm not averse to that as a use case. Yeah, so I think I, you know, I'm, I'm still a, uh, 
I still firmly believe that we're going to see Bailey go from a nice to have to must have. I think, you know, we're seeing data points, right? You know, on my side, I'm seeing customer use cases emerge that are going to embrace it. I think on the technology side, we're seeing the BLE, SIG, you know, 5.1 AI, all that's pointed in the right direction. Um, I think in the tag, you know, the tag ecosystem, you know, yourself included, right? We're starting to see a whole new generation of energy harvesting tags come down the pipe. Uh, all that's goodness. Yeah. And we're, we're starting to see the indoor map ecosystem evolve, right? We're starting to watch indoor mapping evolve, which is kind of a key part for all the wayfinding use cases. So what's happening in the mapping space from your perspective? Now, I mean, I think we're seeing two things, right? I mean, we're seeing a ecosystem of map vendors come to the market, right? These are your Jibestream, Locust Lab, map, MapWise, um, those guys. We're also watching Google. Google and Apple kind of work out their strategy around indoor maps, right? Google and Apple are starting to kind of sort out how they're going to handle indoor mapping. So I think, you know, I think it's still up in the air whether, you know, is indoor mapping going to be solved by an ecosystem of players like here, you know, here just acquired Michello, you know, how's that going to evolve over the next couple of years? Fascinating. Well, this has been a great update conversation, Bob, Bob Friday, CTO, co-founder of Mist. Uh, Great insights. Love hearing about your new uh, technology, where you see the market evolving. So uh, let's check in. Uh, let's uh, check in with you again next year. Okay. Thanks, Steve. And yeah, hope to see you in the next conference. All right. All the best. Okay. You had three songs before on your trip to Mars. You get another three. Which ones would you choose, do you think? I'd do a Take It Easy, Eagles. Well, you had that one last time, so you get actually oh, another one. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, okay. You had yeah, the Beatles, the Eagles, uh, and the Grateful Dead. I can't, um, and Take It Easy okay. was there. Okay, so this, this time it would have to be Pink Floyd. All right. Wish You Were Here and Brain Damage. Okay. Creedence uh, Clearwater, Have You Ever Seen the Sun? Or have you, seen, have you Ever Seen the Rain? Yes. And then probably the, the other one I'm working on is, uh, was it Van Morrison, Brown Eyed Girl? Fantastic. Well, those are great songs. Any particular reason why you would choose those ones? Because those are the ones I know the best now. <laughs> okay, very good. I have oh. plenty of time to on the way to Mars. I'd be knowing me, you know. Yeah, you might. Your your I, repertoire would probably expand significantly, but at least you'd be able to listen to those and you'd be able to model your performance on those. So, uh, well, I, I'm full of admiration. I have tried to learn the guitar. People who've watched the podcast um, from my home have probably seen the guitar that is accumulating dust in the background. So the yeah. fact that you're actually doing it and you've stuck with it for a year and a half is pretty impressive. No, I will, I will tell you, Steve, if I can learn to play guitar, anybody can learn to play guitar. <laughs> you're very that, that's, modest. That's, very what modest. Got, that's the challenge I got when I got into it. One of my <laughs> friends told me, hey, if I can do it, anyone can do it. Very good. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe 
ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 